0: This presentation is from UX Australia 2015, held in Sydney. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.
1: We're now going to hear a very exciting talk about public data for the people. Please join me in welcoming Michelle. Yes, you can hear me, hi. My name is Michelle Kipper. I'm a UX designer from Brooklyn, New York. Um, So, if at any point I use an Americanism, uh, I think all the technical stuff gets explained, but feel free to raise your hand and tell me to stop. Um, So, this is a talk that's built on work I did for the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Uh, This is a photo of their headquarters, which is much less pixelated in real life. Um, It is a new regulatory agency, uh, four years old now, founded under a set of laws called Dodd-Frank that were passed after the 2008 financial crisis. Um, And I need to read this part. The CFPB helps consumer finance markets work by making rules more effective by consistently and fairly enforcing those rules and by empowering consumers to take more control over their economic lives. I spent two years at the CFPB as a design and technology fellow because along with everything else they do, they've been very innovative in the government technology space. Uh, But I no longer work there or speak for the U.S. government in any way. So let me just say that very clearly up front Um, and you can tell that it's true because i included this slide in my deck Um, uh, the cfpb likes to talk about itself as a data driven agency they're very interested in looking at patterns of behavior in the financial marketplace to try and spot disasters before they happen again um, and data-driven, or I guess after this morning I should now start calling it data-influenced, uh, is a term that we hear a lot nowadays. We hear it in design, in business, in health, and in government. And for all the potential negatives of our data-driven society, uh, one positive is the new emphasis in government in making open data. Uh, the data produced or consumed by the government that is in the public domain by default easier to access over the web. In the United States, we have data.gov, uh, which was spiffed up uh, after a 2013 executive order from the Obama administration creating standards for uh, open data for all uh, federal agencies. Here, uh, it's gata.gov.au. Cities uh, have been real leaders In this space. Uh, Buenos Aires has a great database um, dashboard. uh, Paris and my own home city of New York which is a very active uh, civic hacking community. Brisbane has a great site um, which we will return to later. I did not look at any other Australian city sites which I am sure they are all also equally awesome. Um, So Americans Use public data. I mean, they've gotten used to using the internet to interact with and learn about governments at the local and federal levels. This is from a Pew Research Center uh, study from late last year. But at the same time, they aren't sure that having the data available is actually changing anything. And part of the reason for that is because that data isn't shared effectively. And look, federal government is the worst at that. Um, why is that? What is it that is the gap between the data the government is putting out and the sense of the public, but whether or not it's effective? And when I was first trying to think about what the issue is, I came across a quote from Paul Krugman, who is an economist and a New York Times opinion columnist. And he said this uh, in a blog post about data-driven journalism. He said, Numbers never tell a story on their own. And I said, oh, that's it. Numbers never tell a story on their own. For Professor Krugman, because he's an economist, what that means is you need a strong data model to turn your data into information. I was an English major, so I say it a little bit differently. I say that you have to interpret data into a narrative and we've heard a lot about narrative and storytelling over the past few days Um, and we can think about data as not something foreign or weirdly mathy but as another input for storytelling and so i'm going to tell you a story about how my team told stories with data and hopefully uh, you can get some ideas for your own storytelling this is a website uh, that I worked on for something called the Home Mortgage Disclosure Act and the public data that is created under that act. Um, Hands up if anybody has ever heard of the Home Mortgage Disclosure Act. I I get the same reaction from an American audience too. Uh, Luckily
0: I have a video. Each year Thousands of banks and other financial institutions report data about mortgages to the public thanks to the Home Mortgage Disclosure Act, or HMDA for short. These public data are important because they help show whether lenders are serving the housing needs of their communities, they give public officials information that helps them make decisions and policies, and they shed light on lending patterns that could be discriminatory. In recent years, Humda public data have contained about 15 to 20 million records per year. If you're wondering what kind of information is available on public Humda data, let's begin with how mortgage originations usually work. Meet Emily. She wants to buy a home but doesn't have the money to pay for it in cash. So she applies for a loan in her bank. She tells the bank about her finances, the house she wants to buy, and other information the bank needs to make a decision about whether or not to lend to her, and the terms of the loan. The bank reviews Emily's application, decides that she meets their criteria, and she gets approved. Once all the papers are signed, Emily closes the loan, or in mortgage-speak, the loans originated. Now let's look at the kind of information you can find in the public HMDA data. First, you can find information about the loan itself. The data include mortgage applications, regardless of whether the application was approved or denied. You can also see the loan amount and the type of loan, including whether it's a VA or FHA loan. And the data also show if the loan is for buying a home, refinancing an existing mortgage, or for home improvements. If the application was denied, in some cases you can see the reasons why. Second, the data include demographic information on an applicant's race, ethnicity, and sex. This helps prevent discriminatory lending. It's important to note the data do not include direct identifying information like names or social security numbers. Third, there are data about the lender. You can see the name of the lender and which agency regulates them. And finally, there's information about the property itself. You can see the type of property and whether the owner intends to live there. Instead of disclosing the address, lenders disclose a census tract, which is the part of a community where the property is located. Census tracts can vary in size, but on average, about 4,000 people live in a census track. And this provides enough information for the location to be useful, but still provides protections for individual privacy. Each September, the previous year's data are released to the public so that anyone, including consumers, public officials, community groups, researchers, developers, journalists, and the banks themselves can use the data. We hope you'll explore the data further on your own. If you build something cool and want to share it with us or want to see what we've made to help explore the data, check out the hundred tools on github.com slash CFPB.
1: So if you were in the ATO talk earlier, that is the second animated video by a governmental agency that you have seen today. Um, the difference being that artists aren't allowed to be funny. Um, HMDA data have Real consequences um, they get used in uh, cases like this, which was a lawsuit brought against a bank in my home state of New York for discriminatory lending. and While I have been told that I cannot technically refer to it as big data, it is quite large data <laughs> uh. 15 million, 12 to 15 million records a year, 27 variable fields per record. Um, When the data was mailed out in paper form, it was the largest one-day bulk mailing that the USPS had to deal with larger than the Sears catalog or or anything like that. Now, uh, you can get that data only digitally and Before my team started, this is where you had to go. This is a website run by an organization known as the FFIEC, which no one has ever heard of if they don't work in federal uh, lending um, or in banking. And this website is very much aimed at banks or the HMDA reporters, lenders. Um, And you can download the data from here in a 50-gigabyte hunk Flat file, which you can either navigate using $10,000 seek statistical software, or you can use the janky, crashy Windows app that they can provide for you. And let's say that you're a small organization, and what you really, all you really need is some general aggregation, some sort of high-level summary. Um, you can get an aggregated summary of, say, just refinances in the New York City area, uh, summarized by race, ethnicity, gender, income, but you could only get it in PDF format in 2013. This was not ideal. Um, and one of, actually, one of my first interactions with our users was a phone call where I got to hear People in community lending groups yelling at our stakeholder about how you know horrible and behind the times they were, and we couldn't say we were building this new tool. We could, we were just like, well, we're you know it's very useful for us to hear your concerns. Thank you. Um, I was a designing for CFPB's public data platform, which the Humble Data was the our first step towards, and the goal is to make all of the data that the CFPB public data that CFPB produces or consumes available uh, via API. And because the Humvee data set is so large, it became our first case. And because it was already a pain point, um, our stakeholders had already started doing what I would call user research, and they called testimony, um, from their external stakeholders, from community groups and lenders and, and, and the like. And so we so we started off by having hypotheses uh, about all these issues? What are the challenges? Who currently wants to use the data, but has trouble with it? And then who do we think might be interested in the data? So in our kickoff meeting, we came up with a list. We get all the post-its and the Sharpies, and at the end of the meeting, in my very best UX facilitator voice, I said, we've got a really good list here. Like, is there anyone who, who we've left out? And the head of our data team raised his hand, and he said, yeah, the American citizen. And I said, oh, right. Um, Because we we are, they are, I was, uh, a government agency, they have a responsibility, and particularly given their educational mission, it's very important that anything that we did had to be accessible to the average citizen. So we prioritized a bit, uh, uh, cut some things, broke some stuff up. There are advocacy groups that have access to statistical software and those that don't. Uh, We came up with everybody's favorite, the four-square grid. Um, And the vertical axis is, you know, am I goal-oriented? Or do I just want to explore and learn a bit? I just, this seems interesting, what's going on. Uh, But really, the, the most important axis was the horizontal one, the one that we kept coming back to this idea of, I want the story and then the data, or I want to use the data to tell my own stories. And by thinking of the relationship between data and storytelling, we sort of separated it a little bit from subject matter expertise and really allowed ourselves and our team to focus on what is the narrative that we want to give to these people or what are the narratives we want to let them tell for themselves. get another pass to start to understand the user needs, um, which I was just saying, Um, and tweak that slightly to think about how we would begin to meet those needs, to give people tools, to show them trends, or uh, help them get their bearings. Uh, And you can see that those three categories sort of hinted at in this top um, navigation area with those three circles, each of which are jump links. And I always say this page gets nerdier as you go down. Um, If you stay at the top of the page and that's all you want to know, we're still going to give you information. If you want to keep scrolling, it gets more and more detailed and more and more about the specific data and how you can manipulate that data. But let's start at the top with the user who says, you know, help me get my bearings. And you remember that video that we watched uh, with, the lovely and talented Ren has seen. that video is on this site. Um, actually won an award for clear government communication, which we were very proud of. And so if you come to the site and you're like, well, what is Hamja? There's Ren, who's a published expert in the field, to explain it to you. And that was really an important piece for us, was providing the context, you know, providing the story around what is this data, why do I care about it? I think that is a big part of the disconnect that people have with government data, because government too often puts data out without that context. Um, This is from the Brisbane site, and you look at how much expertise is assumed on this screen. I have to know what these file types are. I have to know what a JSON file is. but I even have to know what a CSV is. And we found in our user testing, even with people who wanted to use data, the phrase CSV meant very little to them. So if you try and download CSV data from our site now, it says spreadsheet parentheses CSV. Um, the Americans do this no better. Uh, this was no way pointing point down fingers. This is from data.gov. And in all honesty, and I can say this now, because I don't work there, we looked at data.gov as our what not to do example, it's a great site if you know what you're looking for. If you don't know what you're looking for, if you don't know whether or not you can trust the data or where it came from or how how it's gathered, then the site doesn't really help you. Um, And we really wanted to help people get their bearings and understand what is this data? Why why do they have this information? and if, if you wanted to read more or if you are interested, if you're a bank or you want to become a, a CFPB examiner or you have some other question, we sort of guide you to that. But if you just want to know a little bit, we show you, show you a visualization. And the great thing uh, about something that involves the national trend is you can show it on a lovely map. Um, and we were very, this which currently only shows the continental United States, uh, sorry guys, uh, Alaska and Hawaii, um, we were very lucky in that the HMDA data uh, for 2012 shows a really strong bounce back uh, based on refinancing. So our first year out, there was a really clear difference um, that you could see when you interacted with this. And you can drill down to the county level uh, and see that as well. Um, you can also start to dig a little bit deeper, and this is where it starts to blend in to the next category. If you go directly beneath that map, you start to see bar charts that give you a, even more context, even more information. In this case, is it's about the type of loan, whether it's a purchase or a refinance. This was, as I said, a very big year for refinancing because mortgage rates and stakes were very low. Um, Beneath that, uh, you could see if loans were guaranteed by the Veterans Administration or the Federal Housing Administration, and it was fun to go to cities that have major army bases or navy bases and see the VA number go up. Um, But really, the most important thing here is that link that says, show me the underlying data. Um, And if you click that, you'll be taken into our Humvee Explorer, which I will talk about more in a moment, uh, with these variables already filled in. So you can take this and tweak it a little bit further. I'm only interested in um, purchases by African-Americans. I'm only interested in uh, men. and our goal was to nudge people a little bit further down that path from having a story told to them to telling their own stories. Part of the CFPB's mission is to empower people in the financial marketplace, and part of that empowerment is feeling comfortable with uh, information. Um, so I mentioned the Humga Explorer, and this is the page that you come to uh, when you're going and you want to download the data. You want to learn more uh, about it. And we had some very specific uh, sort of needs for this. Um, As mentioned, we had the previous behavior where users were downloading bulk data sets into these third-party tools. We had the desired functionality where Let's say you just want data on refinances, on mobile homes in Delaware over the last three years. We can provide you with that specific data set. Um, and we had this potential new functionality of on-the-fly, musical interlux, um, on-the-fly um, summary aggregation of the data. So you could get something like in that PDF, but you could get it as live data like done for you on the spot to your specifications. We weren't sure this was going to work, um, so we couldn't make it too central, but it was a feature that we spent quite a bit of time working on. Um, And as I said, this is a complex data set, 27 variables, some of which have multiple, multiple options beneath them, a lot of jargon. How do we start to make that something that is accessible to not just the expert user, but someone who's just trying to maybe someone who's in an urban studies class and just wants to get this data and, and impress their teacher. So this is what we, this was our first try. We're like, okay, I've got the annual data. Some people are still gonna want that bulk data to filter it, uh, to, to filter it themselves. Some people wanna filter it on the site, and some people wanna do the aggregation. I didn't work, nobody looked at the tabs, Um, people were confused about the difference between annual data, filter, and group. What am I filtering if I'm not filtering the annual data? Uh, So we tried again. Um, And I took all of my information architecture background and I grouped all the variables into these lovely categories, it can open and close, and I'll be honest, this version is still quite close to my heart. But, you know, as Kim Gung on Project Runway would say, it's a lot of look. Uh, and what happened was even people who had familiarity with, you know, complex data sets got to this page and were like, whoa, whoa, this seems really complicated. And that was not what we wanted. we wanted this to be inviting and accessible, even at the same time, as you do want to be able to change stuff around. This is the version that we launched, um, where you can select the year, you can select a very basic filter of this data, Um, you can move to summary tables and get a preview and do all that other great stuff. Um, and if after you select the after you select the suggested filters, then you we ask do you want something more specific, and you can move into all those lovely uh, accordion filters uh, through progressive disclosure. So this is absolutely perfect, right? No. Because what has happened after launch uh, we've Discovered is people see that download button. And they're like, oh, OK, that's what I'm doing. I'm here to download. And they just go to it. And that was not the behavior that we were trying to build to, uh, in part because having people download a 50-gigabyte you know, chunk of data is no fun for them and not a lot of fun for our servers either. Um, so that's something that is, is being worked on by the ongoing by the hamji team. We were able, however, to launch the summary tables functionality. We got it to work. And this is actually really popular and really successful. And as, we're, as the team continues to iterate on it, probably it'll end up getting moved to the front now that we're certain it'll work. Um, because that is really a lot of what people want. Give me this summary of the data. I don't necessarily want thousands of records, but I do want to have a sense of what the patterns are uh, in my community. Um, And some of those people are downloading this data into uh, SAS and Strata and tools like that. Um, And some of them are developers who are going to want to work with our API. And from the beginning, we have considered developers a core user type for the HumData data site. And the API documentation ended up being its own separate uh, interaction design effort within the larger team. And our head of custom software development near the end um, That is a terribly pixelated picture, I'm sorry, Bill. Um, Said to me, those are the nicest looking documentation pages I've ever seen. And I said, that's because developers are one of our core users. And we need to consider them on the same level that we think about everybody else who's coming to the site, rather than as an afterthought. Uh, We also thought about how do we make this easy for developers to use. And so we integrated uh, another open source tool. And one of the great things about being open source by default was that we could build on the work that others had done. Uh, And there is an API console called Swagger. um, And we built it in as part of of our system to make it easier for junior developers to get started building calls uh, to the HMDA data. What's really great is that that framework has proven to be reusable in turn. Uh, I went through a set of expert evaluations by the GSA, which is the purchasing arm of the US government, and ended up using it for their API pages. You can tell it was not done uh, by the CFPB because they have um, distorted their own icon in uh, the header. Um, but they were nice enough. To, to cite us, um, and 18F, which is the new digital design team within uh, the GSA, has, has started using a version of this as well. And my colleagues at the CFPB took it and made it the basis for a very simple system using a markdown in Jekyll to get your own API pages up um, quickly and easily. And I, when uh, Adam posted this, I said to him, I didn't think that the most influential thing that I worked on at the CFPB would be a set of API pages. Um, But I think that goes to the fact that developers are weirdly an underserved market in uh, usable technology. Um, And if we make good and beautiful and usable things for them, they'll want to use it too. Crazy. so we had the three different paths, the three different types of users, the three different goals, the modular system, um, which ended up serving us well because uh, the Humdinger Data API was the first uh, public API that the CFPB had released. And those of you who have worked with government know the first time that you do something inside a governmental organization, it's going to take a little longer than you thought it would. And as Ren said in the video, the data are released once a year in September. And so the director of the bureau had set up a community advisory board meeting around the release of that data and around the launch of our site. We were able to meet that date uh, because we just launched the piece of the site that didn't require direct access to the api uh, if you go to the site now it's api driven when it first launched we had flat data powering the all, all the information visualizations and and the charts um, and i was thinking about what the akio team said earlier uh, about getting you know senior stakeholders aligned when you get someone who was uh, appointed to his post by President Obama talking about user-friendliness, um, it's a win. Um, and then our delay in getting the API up and running and get up serving us in the end because when it did launch that January, we were able to target our message directly to developers, to open government technology teams, and they responded. Uh, very positively. Uh, that top one was then the the head of technology for the Sunlight Foundation, which is an open government group. Uh, the guy at the bottom it was a, just a government hacker. Uh, he was responding to a post by our then CIO. I don't think Matt ever collected on that hub, but who knows? Uh, so to recap. Uh, The things I hope you take away from this are to know your users, current and desired. Um, I think we knew our expert users better than we knew the the non-expert users and that our iterations will have learned from that. Uh, Make beautiful and functional things for all of them. Find ways to scaffold their, their steps to independent data analysis. Beautiful visualizations are great, but giving people the ability to go the next step and play with the data themselves uh, is even better. Be prepared to iterate, always, and stories, uh, and not just data. So thank you. Thank you, Michelle. That was fantastic. I love the um, huge data. Uh, Sorry, what was it? It was huge data. It was, it, was, data? It, was, it was quite large. <laughs> large, that's the one. Um, who's got the first question?
0: Thanks for that. I think in government uh, we often assume that um, most users, say, so your citizen users, aren't going to take the trouble to look into data that we make available online, and so we design for you know, the developers and so on the more complicated cases. So, what actually has been the uptake of the, you know, the more refined, the ready-told stories, the simpler versions of access that you described?
1: Um. It's funny because I usually start by talking about the way in which other government organizations have, and people ask me this this question when I talk about it. For example, it's lots of, you we know that stakes certain degree in, in, into their processes. Um, I do know that the smaller community groups are using it and had very positive reactions to the launch. Um, the same people who were yelling at uh, our product owner when we started were like, okay, we still want these other 10 things, but this is good, this is good like this uh, at the end, which is exactly what you want your activists to be saying. Um, And we have stats on usage, and as you know, the stats on government sites, in terms of uniques, tend to be quite low uh, compared to what you get for commercial sites. But the stats um, for the Humga site are about 50% of the homepage for CFPB. Uh, Consumerfinance.gov shows a fairly significant driver of traffic and a fairly significant number of uniques. So we have confidence that people are are using it and, and are looking at it. Hi, that was really interesting. The um, question I had was about data.gov and whether or not you had some pressure to leave the really dry technical download, the whole document thing to data.gov and just okay. focus on something unique about the data on, on your own site? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Um, when when, I, when the group of fellows started, um, we're filling out all of our security paperwork, and one of my colleagues asked uh, our coordinator, um, so they asked for our, our addresses for the last seven years, are they going to, you know, cross-check this with our um, tax returns? And she, she just laughed and she said, The United States government is not as coordinated as it looks from the outside. Um, And because these are technically independent agencies, there's a lot of leeway to do what you want with that. Certainly we had to make our data available to data.gov, but there's certainly um, not any particular pressure to um, structure our our data in in a certain way for data.gov.
0: Any more questions?
1: Any last ones? Okay. All right, thank you guys. Thank
0: you again, Michelle. We hope you liked this presentation from UX Australia 2015. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.